Okay, so what we have, uh, what we have going on here is Jesus is coming and he is, he is letting them know, I am the Messiah. And we see in the, in the, in the, the last couple of weeks, what happened was Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath, as you guys know. And the Pharisees are upset because they don't think that Jesus should be healing people on the Sabbath. They're upset because they, number one, they're having a very hard time accepting that Jesus is actually the Messiah, that he's the fulfillment of all of these scriptures. And then with that, they're checking as well they should to make sure that not only is he fulfilling the scriptures, but that he's not violating any of the commandments. I mean, if this guy's supposed to be the Messiah, the fulfillment of these things, if he's the one that is to come, he's certainly not going to be breaking the rules. And so they're doing the right thing in that regard to say, hey, let's make sure this guy does line up with all the prophetic words because everybody is waiting for the Messiah. However, they are having some things happen inside of them. I remember, I, I, I can't remember who said it, but he said all, he said when, when people ask, where, 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 does evil, where does evil come from? Where is it in this world? How do we deal with these things? And he said, the, the line between good and evil runs right through the center of my heart, as, does it, as it does for all of us. I'm, I'm mangling this with a huge, nasty paraphrase. But if you guys are with me, the issues that are in this broken world run straight through the center of each of our hearts. And Jesus is coming, and these scribes and Pharisees and many of the Jews at this point, they are having to wrestle with the fact that Jesus is coming, but not in the way that they thought he would, certainly not in the way that they think that he should, and worse than all of that, he's coming directly towards each individual's hearts. Remember when the disciples, after Jesus was raised in other parts of the gospel, it says that Jesus appeared to them. I'm jumping around here for just a minute, but it appeared to them, and he's walking with them, and they don't realize he's the Messiah, because they didn't realize he was going to be raised again. And after he leaves, then they go, oh, was your heart not burning within you? Remember that? Was your heart not burning within you in the presence of Christ? Well, Jesus is there, and you guys, when Christ is near us, when Christ comes, our hearts begin to burn within us, and you're either going to move towards him or you're going to move away, and that has everything to do with whether or not you actually want the Messiah or whether you're looking for somebody to come and back your act and approve your plan. Are you guys with me? So their hearts are burning within them, so, so they're coming and they're going, I don't like this Jesus is messing with our, with our stuff. He's messing with our power structure. He's messing with how we want to do things. He is, he is, there's something about this Jesus that honestly just is so offensive. He's offending me. And so they did what any of us do when somebody is really offensive and messes with our power structure. They seek to remove him. And for them, they're going to do it by killing him. And as you recall, that's what happened in the last couple of chapters. It says, and because he had healed on the Sabbath, then they sought ways to kill him. Wowza. They want to kill him because he's exposing their wickedness and their double standards. He's exposing their self-righteousness. So in, uh, in verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus said to them, he's talking to his, oh, let me give you a little backdrop here, I'm sorry. He's getting ready to go. And he says of the world, 
He's getting ready to head into, um, for the Feast of Tabernacles into Judea. But he says to his, to his brothers, when they're asking him to come right now, he says this about the world. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. The world hates me because I'm shining a light on the fact that their best righteousness is self-serving. That at very best, their righteousness is selective. Selective outrage. Seven verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. Okay, so he's talking to the Pharisees who are upset with him. They hate him because he's exposing that they're not bringing about and using the law to point towards actually him. How many of you guys know the law and the prophets, the Torah, is speaking of Jesus? And they're not looking at that and saying, oh my goodness, Jesus, you're even better than we thought. They're going, you can't possibly be the Messiah because one, you're making us jealous. Two, you didn't come to us first. And, and three, you're exposing that we are selective about what righteousness actually is, and we don't like the way you're doing this. So Jesus speaks to them, and he says this. Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. All right, so why do they do that? Moses said, or God said to Moses, according to the law, to fulfill the covenant that started with Abraham, right? Circumcision. That on the eighth day, every male is to be circumcised on the eighth day. Why? So that people know that that young man is, well, young man, very young man, is set, well, very go, um, is set aside in covenant as the Lord's chosen person. It's a covenant that shows I belong to God. And they're like, okay, well, the law says we need to make sure that we do that little surgery zoinks, um, to make sure we fulfill the law. Well, what happens if a kid is born to where it ends up that they, that they hit the eighth day and it's the Sabbath? It's like, ah, we're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. What do we do? And they're like, well, in that situation, it, the greater good is to go ahead and fulfill the law that the moil is allowed to do a little bris right there, right, on the Sabbath, and that'll be okay because it's fulfilling a greater good. And so that honors the spirit of the law, and we're gonna say that's all right, that's all right. In that context, you go right ahead because it's more important that that young man is in righteousness, and so we'll go ahead and, and break the law because there's a different law that we think is a higher law. You guys see that? So Jesus says to him, you guys get that if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. I feel like Jesus, oh man, I could just, oh, he's, he's got to be so irritated. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you guys get it that this little baby needs to have fulfilled the law to walk in righteousness. And here's a man, I believe uh, the man was like, what, 38 years that he had healed her. It's like three decades that this other guy is, can't even walk. Jesus heals the whole man, and they're like, you need to die, Jesus, because you told him to carry his bed as a part of his healing. Because he said, take up your mat and walk. And the guy's like, picks his sheets up, and they're like, ah, ha, ha, Jesus! lawbreaker, kill him. And he's going, are you, what is wrong with you guys? You are missing the whole point here. 
See, the challenge of the Pharisees was that they believed they already had eternal life through observing the Torah. And what they needed a Messiah for was to kill their enemies. They wanted the Messiah to come and overthrow their enemies. And they're right that the Messiah did come to overthrow their enemies. But what they didn't understand was that they needed a savior to save them from their enemies of sin and death. And they thought the law was doing that. So they used the law in the way that they best understood it, honestly, to try to kill people. And they wanted to kill Jesus with it. And they were right, because you know what the law does apart from Jesus? It kills all of us. It can't save us. And the Pharisees thought that the, that the purpose of the law and the prophets was to give us eternal life. The purpose of the law and the prophets was to show the character of God, but also to convict that, number one, not one of us can save ourselves through our own righteousness, but also the purpose of the law was to convict sin and death. And only through Christ was it fully destroyed. And the Pharisees are going, because they actually believed that the law in of itself could be accomplished without a savior. And that can work as long as you have selective outrage, as long as you have selective righteousness. So the Pharisees are going, they still don't see it. They're still going, you are not playing by the way that we read this. You guys are very quiet. Are you still with me? Okay, so here's a perfect example then. They're like, okay, well, here's the deal. We need to kill Jesus. <laughs> Let's just start there. We got to kill this guy. This is not going at all the way we planned. So how do we do it? Well, what we need to do is get him to violate the law, and then we have the right to kill him. Let's, we, this, we're not getting a lot of traction on this whole heal him on the Sabbath thing, so let's try something else. So John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. Speaking of Jesus. All the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. That's a whole preach all by itself. Where's the dude? How long were you waiting to catch them? You must have known about this for a while. Why is it so important to you now? I mean, so many questions. But we'll just leave that as it is. As the, uh, but, but I think it does speak. Am I yelling at you guys? <clears throat> but it does speak <laughs> to the fact that these guys had such a double standard that they don't even see how ridiculous this trap is. It, the selective application of the law. Kill the woman, boys will be boys. What? All right. See, I did end up, it's like a little preachette. It's a little preachette in the midst of there. Now, and then they say to Jesus, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. There was also some other commands for the dude, but let's move on. He didn't notice those. So what do you say? 
They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. See, they knew. They're like, Jesus keeps in. (laughs) They've been watching Jesus. He's healing people. And he's saying things like, your sins are forgiven. And they're going, you know what's going to happen? We're going to go in there and we're going to tell him that this lady's been caught in adultery. And then when he says, you don't have to follow the law of Moses, we got him. Because he's not probably going to call for their death. And then we can say, ha ha, lawbreaker. You're saying we should all just do whatever we want whenever we want. They want to bring a charge against him. Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, huh, what are you going to do, Jesus? Huh, what do you think about that, Jesus? And he's like, And he stood up and he said to them, and we don't know what he wrote, but he stood up and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And then once more he sat down, or he bent back down to the ground and he wrote some more. Let me say that. Let me read it how it's written. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. So then he starts writing again. Now, we again, we don't know what he's writing. But whatever it was, I think they were reading it. Because here's what happens. It says that, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? What's he, what's he doing here? These guys who are coming and saying, you need to do these laws, Jesus. People have to do all of these laws. And Jesus says, oh, okay, so what you're saying is you believe that by the law, you can be made righteous. Well, if you believe that you can be made righteous, apart from the Savior, which, by the way, is me, then let's go ahead and let this play out according to your own rules. Have it your own way. Guys, you're right. Here she is. She's caught in adultery. Moses, according to the law, which was given by God for a perfect accounting of righteousness, she does need to be stoned. You conveniently didn't bring the dude, but whatever. I'm not even going to mess with that, he says. I mean, he doesn't even mention it. I've already said way too much. Jesus was much more succinct. And if you pray for me, I'll become a better speaker like him. But clearly, you're not praying enough. All right, so Jesus writes it down, and he says, now you then, if you believe that people should be living up to the standard of what this law says in order to be made righteous, then let him who is clearly righteous, who is without sin, since that's what you're demanding of her, throw the first stone. Now, it makes sense to me that it says they left the oldest to the youngest, right? The professional sinners, the old ones. My wife says there's two kinds of old men, sweethearts and perverts. Because when you get old, you don't have the energy to hide what you've been doing. Yeah. So the perverts left. I'm sorry. It's, she does say it, and I think it mostly... Anyway... I'm not saying all the ones that left were perverts, but the guys that understood, I'm an old sinner. I've been on this earth long enough to know that I am selective about my outrage. And Jesus, I think, probably wrote some things down that everybody looked at and went, I got to go. 
I got to go. If we're going to throw rocks for violations of laws, catch you later, boys. So then Jesus says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. Now, this is important. It didn't stop right there. He didn't say, neither do I condemn you. Go. There is no sin. He didn't say that. Neither do I condemn you. Everybody's human. Do your best. No, he said, go. And from now on, sin no more. He didn't lower the standard of righteousness. He extended mercy. Because he is the Messiah and he has the power to forgive sin. He is the answer to the only way that the law could be fulfilled, and that is through Christ to create, guys, to create, after his death and resurrection, a new human who comes to the Father not through the absence of sin, but rather through the presence of Christ's righteousness. Are you with me? We die with him. And we're raised again. We die through baptism. We're raised through Christ. And this body, by the way, is going to die. That's a whole nother kind of amazing story. But Jesus is pointing towards that. But did you notice how he does not lower the standard? We live in a time right now where it's very popular to essentially just lower the standard. Do whatever feels good. Live however you want. Because Jesus forgave you. Jesus didn't come to save us from Disneyland. Jesus came to save us from sin and death so that we could fulfill the righteousness of the law, which is what? To love him with all of our strength, all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our self, saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my wisdom, but your wisdom. Not my righteousness, but your righteousness. Not my way, but yours. Not my preference, but yours. And then to love my neighbor the way that he loves them. So he comes and he's dealing with this. You see, Jesus came to condemn sin and death, and he came to save us. The Pharisees didn't understand this. They thought that the law came to save us, but the law did not. Paul has some really amazing things to say about that in Romans. And when we do Romans, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. So, these, so, so we get this picture. John is showing us that Jesus has come and that he has come to save us. He's not condemning people. He's demonstrating that he's fulfilled this. But then he continues to show that he is actually the Messiah. He become, he's, he's calling us to him. So let me unpack this just a little bit. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. This is uh, verses 38, 31 through 38. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, this is amazing because these are people that are following the scriptures. And he's saying, but you will know the truth. You will know me. And I will set you free. And they say to him, they answered him, 
we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is baffling to them. And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. How many of you guys know where you were born, right? Before we got saved, we all know what that feels like. And we're still learning to practice righteousness, but whew, thank you, Lord, for Jesus. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're offspring of Abraham. And yet, you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. Now, did you see where this started and where this went? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in me and you're truly my disciples, you'll know the truth and you'll be free. However, <laughs> you, you skip ahead, you're, you are the offspring of Abraham, that's true by birth, but you're seeking to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You're actually rejecting that I'm the Messiah. And I'm telling you right now, you're not acting like your father, Abraham, who believed me, who looked forward to the promised land. Guys, I am the promised land. Are you with me? Who looked forward to the promise. I'm the promise. Moses, who looked forward to what I had laid out. I am the culmination and the fulfillment of the law, if you listen to my words and let them abide, if you're truly my disciples, you'll actually be free. I'm the son. If you accept me, if you hear it, you'll live. But I'm telling you, you're actually trying to kill me. And you know who you're listening to right now. You're not listening to your daddy. I'll tell you who your daddy is right now. And if you keep rolling that way, you're already enslaved to sin, and you will die. That, Jesus does not pull punches, but here's the thing. He's saying, but I came here to save you from your enemy, sin, and death. And he's just laying it out plain. Now, they're not ready to hear it yet, but he's laying it out plain for them. I'm going to share one more piece of scripture. Chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He's saying to us, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me out of his heart will flow rivers of living water through the Holy Spirit. You and I have been reconciled back to God through the Messiah. Jesus is inviting them and by virtue of the scriptures here, by the way, and that finished work and his desire, us to believe in him, to believe that he has fulfilled these very scriptures. What 
we, what, I, what I want us to walk away with today is that we are the people of righteousness. We have been called. We have been forgiven. We have been grafted in through Christ Jesus. And we're called to abide in Christ Jesus and by his Holy Spirit to fulfill the law of love. Now, Jesus is saying, and we'll hear more about this, but Jesus is saying that what the law was there for, he has fulfilled. That the law brings death, but he is bringing life. He's not abolishing the law. He's fulfilling the law. So what does that mean for us today? Here's the practical application that I'd like us to consider as we prepare to pray and close. The law was not able to fulfill the righteousness required of humans. Through the law, everyone is convicted of sin. Even when the Pharisees came to kill this woman who was absolutely guilty, that same law convicted all of them that they were absolutely guilty. And that same law still convicts us when we're guilty of things. It's still good. It still speaks to the need for righteousness, but the law by itself can't cause us to be righteous. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to be taught by God, where he can speak frankly with us, by the way. How many of you guys have ever, Janelle calls it a spanking and a hug, right? It's like, you, you know, when you're being naughty and you get the whoop, and then the Lord's like, come here, remember who you are. And you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Anybody? All right. Just remember, he says, if you don't get spanked, it's because you ain't got no daddy. All right. That's another scripture. Okay. It says he disciplines those that he loves. Okay. All right. Sorry. I know I'm jumping around a lot. Forgive me. All right. He is telling us through the Holy Spirit, you, you and I are filled with the Spirit so that we can abide in him and he, he's the one that then gives us the power to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Now here's, here's what I like to call it. Joyful dependence. You and I, every day, we get to walk with the Lord in joyful dependence. We get to receive the righteousness of the Father, but it's only through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we get to be like Jesus. And if we should, if we should sin, little ones, do not sin. But if you do sin, 1 John, but if you do sin, we have a Messiah. And if we repent and confess our sins one to another, we will be forgiven. He who has been saved can no longer keep sinning because we're practicing righteousness now. He who practices sin is not saved. So what are we doing? We're practicing righteousness. But how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves from becoming legalistic like these Pharisees who are literally rejecting Jesus, who's coming to save them from sin and death? How do we not get into that same spirit? Joyful dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Where we come and we say, Lord, I just absolutely just blew my life up again. What do I do? And he says, go repent to somebody that you trust what's going on in your life right now and ask me to forgive you and I'm going to forgive you and then we're going to take steps to get back to practicing righteousness. He doesn't say, no problem, keep doing it, I love you, it's fine, 
as long as it feels good, keep doing it. No, he doesn't do that. He brings conviction and he says, get back up. I haven't rejected you. Get back up, repent, get back up. Now practice with me, practice righteousness. It's a joyful dependence. I don't know about you guys, but I don't always like doing what's right. I know that's a shocker for you. But you know what I do is I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I don't want, I don't feel like forgiving today. That's, this is my favorite kind of offense. It's a secondary offense. This person hurt somebody I love and I don't want to forgive them. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. I would much rather judge this person and run them down, tell everybody else about how terrible they are. I mean, of course, I'll church it up a little bit. Do some accuser prayers. Father, you know what they've done. If it's even possible that you'd save them, Lord, right? But, but, but rather I say, okay, Lord, I need your help right now. I can't afford to forfeit, forfeit the grace that you've given me. So can you help me right now, Holy Spirit? Can you help me to pray a prayer for this person? Can you get me to the point where I love like you love and forgive like you forgive? Can you help me in that situation? I don't want to draw too fine of a point but I'm not very good at not drawing too fine of a point. Joyful dependence. I need him to help me to fulfill the law. Are you with me? I need him to give me hope. I need him to give me power to live. I need him to heal my body. I need him to help me in communication. I need him to understand what these scriptures even mean. I need him to sleep at night. I need him to have peace. Are you guys with me? We are joyfully dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And the promise here that God gives is I am the Messiah. I have fulfilled these scriptures here in John. And in me, these, these rivers of living water, these rivers of living water will flow out of you as you've received the Holy Spirit. I do not condemn you. I have condemned sin and I have condemned death. But you, I have saved. Receive my spirit and live as it were, he didn't use these words, but they're pretty cool, in joyful dependence and be with me. Neither do I condemn you, says the Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Be joyfully dependent on me and I'll help you so that you will sin no more. Can you guys receive that? All right, why don't you stand up? I'm gonna pray for you. I want the ministry team to come on up here, home group leaders and prayer warriors and elders and... I guess that's everybody. <laughs> Lord God, I want to ask that your scriptures would bear a ton of fruit in our lives today. I want to pray, Father, for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit today. I want to ask, God, that each of us would delight in the salvation that we've received. Because you said to us, neither do I condemn you. Because you called us to yourself because you died and rose again, because you fulfilled a righteousness that we couldn't, but now you've given it to us and we get to practice it with you. I pray for every heavy weight to be broken off all of us today, Lord. For every misunderstanding about scripture, Holy Spirit, you'd begin to teach us the truth. Please protect us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.